You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. There's an old saying, may you live in interesting times. Well, my friends, we are certainly living in interesting times at the moment. If you're at home for whatever reason, unable to venture out to take photos, fear not. There are still tons of photography projects you can crack on with while at home. Keep listening for details. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. analog photography related. my friends how are you i hope you and your loved ones are well wherever you are all around the world gosh hasn't the world changed in the last few weeks quite extraordinary times it seems that almost everyone on the planet now has been caught up in the covid 19 pandemic whether that's through sickness through job loss or through isolation at home if you have suffered in any way i'm sending some good thoughts and positive vibes across the internet to you right now hopefully better times are ahead I must admit, about a week ago, I was super anxious about everything that was going on. I'm a bit of a news junkie, and uh, I have got apps on my phone with pinging all the time, telling me the latest updates. I was watching the TV news all the time, and certainly the pace of the developments and everything that was going on was kind of making my head explode a little bit, to be honest. But then I sort of calmed down and I, I just sort of tried to take one day at a time and, and work out what I was doing that day, work out what the family were doing that day and just sort of concentrate on, on one day at a time rather than thinking too much about what was going to happen in the future. Uh, certainly one thing that did uh, sort of improve uh, my well-being as well, I saw a really good diagram. I've seen it before. It's called the circle of concern and there's like a big circle on the outside and a, a smaller circle in the middle and it's on the outside there's things that you can't control so you can't control this pandemic you can't control how governments react to it or how far and wide it goes throughout the world or the economic consequences for the next 10 years but you know the things that you can control are in the middle so they're things like how you spend your time how you look after your family what you're doing to keep uh, your own mental health on track all kinds of stuff like that. So certainly I would uh, advise, if you are feeling a bit anxious, I'd definitely advise you to Google that up, uh, Circle of Concern, and just you know write it down on a, on a pad. One of the things you can control, things you can't control, and just worry about the ones that you can. So just a quick recap, I'm Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. This podcast is all about analog photography. In many episodes of the podcast, I review a different film or instant camera, telling you about their history, their features, what they're like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from them. In other episodes of the podcast, like today's, I chat about a particular topic in film photography. And today's episode, episode 28 of Matt Loves Cameras is a list of projects you can do while at home. Uh, That's photography projects, not DIY projects, by the way. Um, You can see the show notes for every episode of the podcast on my website, mattlovescameras.com. And there's also an Instagram at mattlovescameras. 
Photo projects are really important right now, and there's two good reasons I can think of why. The first one is boredom. You might find yourself at home unexpectedly with a lot of time on your hands. And yes, there's board games, yes, there's Netflix, all that kind of stuff. But to fill in all the hours of a day, you're probably going to need more of that if you're at home for two, three, four weeks. So a photo project is something you can really sink your teeth in and and get cracking with while you're in isolation. The second reason is anxiety. A lot of people can get very anxious about what's going on in the world, you know, listening to the news, hearing all the developments. And so getting stuck into a project is really a way to calm the mind and reduce stress and anxiety. I've actually read some research that keeping busy with repetitive or creative tasks can lead to a feeling of accomplishment and can steer your mind away from those those anxious and negative thoughts. So some of the things that people suggest are baking. Baking's a very good one. Uh, cleaning. Cleaning's a very good one, a very sort of mindless, repetitive task. And also, you know, anything creative like photography as well. Uh, any photography project is a really good way to get stuck in and, and give your mind a rest from what's going on in the world and just concentrate on the task at hand. So I've got a range of photo projects to tell you about, some of which you probably already thought of, but hopefully there's a few new ones in here as well that you can get cracking on with. So the first photo project that you can crack on with at home is sorting out your Lightroom catalog. Now, if you this is only, of course, if you use Adobe Photoshop Lightroom, which I do. I have been using Lightroom probably for about 10 years now, and I have all of my film and my digital images in various catalogs. And there's actually a massive debate I've seen before online, whether you have one catalog for everything in or you split them out into different catalogs. Um, Some people say, what's the point of splitting them out into different catalogs? The whole point of Lightroom is you have everything in one place. Other people say, well, actually, if you put them all in the same catalog, it slows everything down and it's a nightmare. I have split them out into different years. So I have a different catalog for every year. And then I have a separate uh, catalog for my film photography images. I would say with all the images I've taken over the years, I've probably got easily a quarter of a million photos in my Lightroom catalogs. That sounds mind-boggling and crazy, um, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. I know that for 2017, I have around 50,000 images in that catalog alone. That was a year when we went to the UK and I went to the Faroe Islands to, to photograph the puffins. And so I know that uh, that morning, for example, when I went to an, an island called Mitchness to, to photograph the puffins in the Faroe Islands, I know that I've got about 2,000 photos alone of the puffins. And that's because I was shooting JPEG and RAW. When I got home to Australia, I just, you know, loaded them all up in Lightroom and didn't really cull them. Uh, and so that's, you know, a, a kind of a massive job that I've got now uh, to go back through all of these film photos, all of these digital photos in my Lightroom catalogs and sort them out once and for all. And I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. So the first thing I do it would be working out how many photos a day I'm going to go through. And so for me, I've decided that I'm going to go through two months worth of photos every day. So for example, as I'm working through my 2019 catalog, today I'll go through January and February photos. Tomorrow will be March and April. The day after that will be May and June. And whether there's 50, 500 or 5,000 photos in that group of two months, that's what I'm going to do every single day. So some days will be better than others and some days will be very long and drawn out. 
So typically how I work is I open up the Lightroom catalog. I get to my start point, whether it's start of January or whatever. And then I make the photo, I double click the photo. Instead of having it in the grid view, the thumbnail view, I have one photo on the screen at a time. And I use the right arrow key to keep moving through the photos. And before I move on to from one photo to the next, I'll do one of two things. I'll either give the photo a star rating. If I really like the photo, I might give it one, two, three, four, five stars. If I don't like the photo, I'll actually press the X key. And the X key gives it a little flag in Lightroom with an X through it. And so what I'm doing there is I'm actually flagging the photo for deletion. So I'll go through my two months worth of photos, either giving the photos a rating or giving it the X flag for deletion. At the end of that two months when I've gone through everything, I will then take great pleasure. Uh, I'll sort of have a look at the photos I've marked for deletion and make sure that I, I really do want to delete them. Typically they're photos I'm deleting because they're out of focus or they're not very good or because I've got doubles or triples of the same photo and I don't need the same photo that many times. And so I double check that, that I definitely want to get rid of them. And then I highlight them all and I delete them from the disc. I don't just remove them from the catalog. I delete them from the disk. That removes them from your hard disk and frees up some hard drive space, which is at a bit of a premium at the moment with all these photos floating around everywhere. The next thing I'll do typically is create some collections. So there's a couple of different ways I use collections. So for example, if I've done a model shoot, I'll remember the person's name and I'll create a new collection. I'll see all of the photos of that person in a row because I took them all on the same day and the same time and I'll just drag them into the collection. So if someone ever contacts me about that shoot, I know that I can go into that collection in my catalog and all the photos are there. Um, but what happens if you are taking photos of your family and uh, you want to create a, a family collection, but you've taken them over every single day of the month? Well, that's pretty easy. What you do then is you can go back through the photos and add keywords. So what I typically do for family photos, I'll just add a family the keyword uh, to all the photos of my, my kids and my wife and my mum and dad. I just put the word family on there. And then I set up a smart collection in Lightroom that looks for any photo with the keyword family and it brings it into that smart collection and it auto updates. And so then I know in 2019, I can just go into my family smart collection and all the cool photos of my family throughout the year. Once I finish the catalog, of course, all of the photos will be there in one go. Now with my film photos, uh, I've been talking a lot about digital so far, but film photos are pretty much the same sort of thing. I go through a very similar process, except typically I don't delete any of the film images. I just keep them all in there, whether I like them or not, whether they're in focus or not, I'll keep them all in there. There is a lot more um, keywording though with the film photos. So with each uh, sort of role of film photos, I will keyword it with the camera, I'll keyword it with the film used, and I'll make sure that I'm using the same naming conventions each time. It's very easy to use the keyword, you know, Portra 400 on one role, and then the next role you use the, the keyword Kodak Portra 400. Now Lightroom thinks they're two different things when they're not. So it's always, it's always very important to get the same naming conventions right when you're doing this and keep it consistent the whole way through. Now, when I finish going through the, the catalog, typically a year at a time, what I'll do then is I'll export all the photos as high res JPEGs 
and I'll put them into different folders, you know, one for family, one for the, the film images that I want to use for projects, one for the film images I want to use for zines, one folder for stock photography, one, you know, backup of a, of a model shoot that I did that's got some really good images in for my portfolio. So that's another way as well to sort of export them, get them into a different folder on a different hard disk, and you've always got a backup of the good images then. Uh, it's quite a, a long, involved process. So if you've got a lot of time at home, this could be a really good project for you. Number two in my list of projects is organizing your film negatives and your instant photos. I have stacks and stacks of negatives in sort of cardboard folders and all sorts of places. Now, about a year ago, I actually bought some really nice negative sleeves uh, from the United States. And uh, it was a big pack of 50 negative sleeves. And I thought, yeah, one day I'll, I'll get around to sorting out my negatives. And guess what, guys? I've never done it. So that's another really good task to look at, making sure that all your negatives are nicely looked after, um, not just chucked in a shoebox somewhere. And of course, your instant photos. If you're an instant shooter, this is another really good thing to do. Quite often, I've got you know instant photos floating around everywhere around the office. Uh, and I did actually start a really good um, filing system a while ago. I've got these lovely little plastic boxes I got from Daiso here in Australia, which is a discount Japanese retailer. And uh, the little plastic box perfect for Instax wide and Polaroid images. So with each box, I wrote on a location. So whether it was Australia or the UK or Switzerland, and I also wrote the camera that I took the images with. It's very easy uh, in particular, you know, to get confused with which instant camera you've taken for which photo. Uh, so for example, I've got Instax wide photos I took with my Mint RF70. And I've also got Instax photos, Instax wide photos I took with my Fujifilm Instax wide camera. So I like to keep them in separate boxes labeled as, you know, Mint or Fujifilm. So I know which camera took which image. Otherwise, it's quite hard to tell. The same goes for my Polaroid images. So I like to mark a different box up with a different camera, whether it's the SX70 or the SLR 680 or whether it's the Polaroid Originals iType camera, I like to mark them up and then put each image in the correct box so I can remember later on which camera took which photo. So again, it's probably not the most glamorous of jobs organizing your negatives and your images, but at least it's something that you can really get stuck into. It's probably gonna take some time and you will get a feeling of accomplishment when you're finished. Number three of my photography projects is read a photography book. Now, if you're like me, you probably have tons of photography books on your shelves that you've bought. You might have flicked through and never looked at again. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, but some of the titles on my shelves that I haven't finished yet or I haven't even started include The Road to Seeing by Dan Winters, which is a huge volume. Uh, I've got it probably maybe 100 pages through, but I think it must be like, I don't know, seven or 800 pages. It's a massive book. I've got Within the Frame by David Duchemin. I've got The Pentax Way, which is a really old book that Pentax used to put out about their cameras. I've got a biography on Edward Land that I picked up for five bucks uh, a couple of months ago. I've got The Hot Shoe Diaries by 
Joe McNally, which I bought about 10 years ago in London, and I think I've only flicked through. Uh, and I've also got a book on street photography that I bought um, years and years ago, and I've never read. So yeah, have a look around you. Look on your bookshelves. There's probably books staring at you that you probably haven't looked through. And uh, with a lot of books, what I like to do is I do like to make notes. Uh, I mean, if it was like a biography, I won't make notes. But if it's a book telling you how to do something, I always like to make little notes along the way. So I can sort of help uh, remember the information a bit easier. Uh, so that's certainly something I like to do. So definitely make time, get yourself a cuppa, sit down and put some time into reading those books on your bookshelf that you've never touched. Project number four, organize a video call with some other photographers. So look out for these in Facebook groups everywhere, especially groups like Negative Positives Facebook group and other photography groups you're probably a member of. Uh, there was actually one the other day organized by Bill from Studio C41 Podcasts. And I think he's actually done two or three now. And the one that I was in the other day, it was about 20 people from all around the world, mostly North America. But there was me. Um, was there anyone from Europe? I can't remember. Um, but it was about 20 of us on the call. And uh, everyone in North America was mostly drinking. <laughs> I was, it was the middle of the day here. It was like lunchtime. I was on a little lunch break. And so I sort of joined in for about half an hour. Uh, but then I had to get back to work. But it was really good just to hear what people were up to, how they were handling the self-isolation, what kind of projects they were cracking on with. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely don't discount that kind of thing of, of getting in touch with people via a video call, whether it's, you know, someone you're, you're sort of friends with online or whether it's a group of people. There's all this great technology these days like Skype and Zoom and WebEx, and you can organize these video conferences and chat to other people, even if it's just like, hey, Hey, how you doing? What are you up to? Um, that can be a really, really cool way of socializing in these days of self-isolation. Number five, do an online course. So there's so many good photography related online courses these days. Now, some of them are free, some of them cost money. So depending on your own circumstances, you'll have to, to work out which one's right for you. But some of the ones I'll rattle through. So there's lynda.com. Now, lynda.com, I think it's now known as LinkedIn Learning, but it's been around for years and years and years. Now, it's actually available free here in Queensland through our state library. So check out um, your local library. Quite often, they will have access to online courses like this. And here in Queensland, we get free access to lynda.com through the State Library of Queensland. And once you sign up for it, there's a whole load of photography and design courses on there. So for example, there's courses on Photoshop, courses on Lightroom, courses on InDesign if you want to create your own zine. There are a whole load of photography courses about lighting, portraits, black and white, um, all sorts of things. And um, have a, get on there and have a look. There could be something that might be of interest to you. Now, you can get a free month trial, I believe. Just check all the terms and conditions. But that could be a way for you to, to get onto that for a month for free. The next resource is Creative Live. Now, I actually bought a, a Pass for Creative Live at Christmas last year. I think it was just over 100 US dollars. There are tons and tons of really cool courses on there. So I really recommend that you check it out. I don't have any affiliation with them or I don't get any kickback from them. I just think it's a really good resource that you can check out. There are a few film photography courses on there, but most of them are to do with digital. But of course, you could apply the knowledge from the digital courses to your film photography anyway. There's courses on stuff like family and lifestyle photography, fine art, glamour, portrait, outdoor, wedding, you name it, it's there. 
uh, aerial and drone, uh, speed lights, so many different courses there. There's also other stuff like there's courses on art and design, uh, so graphic design and logos and typography, the stuff on making crafts. So, you know, cake decorating and jewelry design and, and stamp making and stuff like that. There's even stuff on, you know, music and audio, like audio engineering and guitar recording and learning to DJ. So there's a really amazing array of courses on Creative Live. Get on there and check it out. And um, yeah, who knows? You might find something that uh, tickles your fancy. Now you can buy a creator pass, which I think it costs $129 at the moment or something like that but you don't have to do that you can just go find a single course and just do one single course and see if you like it and a lot of the courses are quite cheap they're you know under 29 US dollars um, a lot of them are you know 10 14 15 dollars so get on there and check it out you never know what you might find on there the next one is magnum magnum photo of course so I recently did the magnum street photography course it was 99 dollars I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, the video content probably went for between two and three hours. And for each chapter, there was a PDF download as well, telling you about the concepts and stuff to think about and further reading. Look, I, I guess compared to Creative Live, you might question whether it's good value for money because Creative Live's, you know, $129 or something and the Magnum was $99. You know, with Creative Live, you've got a year to use it and you could watch tons and tons of courses where with the Magnum one, it's it's you can use the course forever, but the content's only two or three hours long. So I guess it's up to you and what you like and how much money you've got as well, I guess. But I, I really enjoyed the Magnum course and I would recommend that as well. Another one is the Professional Photographers of America. They're currently offering their courses for free uh, for a couple of weeks. So I think they started this about a week ago. Um, so you better get in quick if you want to do this. There's probably about a week left. Um, I had a look on there. Look, the courses look very interesting. A lot of them are around marketing and portrait photography and stuff like that. But because I have other resources like Creative Live, I don't think I'll get around to using any of their courses. But if money is an issue for you, I'd jump on there as soon as you hear this and uh, see if you can take advantage of that free offer. That's the Professional Photographers of America online courses. Idea number six. Now, while we're talking about free resources, get onto YouTube. Now, if you're like me, you might be a bit of a podcast person. I don't often use YouTube for photography stuff. I don't know why. I think it's because, um, I don't know, I commute and, you know, or I do work around the house. I just like to listen to audio. So I don't often sit in front of the computer and watch a video. But lately I have been watching more and more YouTube. So I'll tell you about some of the channels I've been watching for film photographers. So first one is the old camera guy. So check out Dave's old camera guy YouTube channel. He does a lot of great reviews, a lot of great comparisons, a lot of great film stock reviews. Check him out, the old camera guy. The next one is the C41 Studio podcast hangouts i hope i got that right but bill from studio c41 podcast has done some hangouts and he's put some of them on youtube and i'll put a link in the show notes but he did one with sandra cone which i'm sure would be very good she is uh, very very knowledgeable sandra cone uh, i've actually uh, i'm doing her course at the moment as well which is very very good so yeah um, have a look at that the next one is that uh, Rachel from the Sunny 16 podcast recently did a video for Ilford. So check out Ilford's channel. There's a whole load of free YouTube videos on there. You might get some knowledge or inspiration from them. 
Another one is William Verbeek, Verbeck. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He is immensely popular amongst the younger demographic. He's got a huge amount of followers on YouTube and I really like his videos. They're very kind of cinematic the way that they're shot and there's cool music in the background and stuff like that. So yeah, check out his channel. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. And of course, one of my favorites, Ted Vieira. He's got the the best voice in podcasting by far. So check out Ted's channel. Uh, he Also check out Ted's podcast, of course, but um, Ted's also got a YouTube channel. So there you go. There's five YouTube channels that you can check out. Actually, I'll give you a sixth. Shoot film like a boss. I've watched a few of those videos. I've got to watch some more. Um, a lot of them are around developing and printing, which I don't know much about, but they're very well put together. And the guy actually lives on the Isle of Wight, uh, where I had holidays last year. So make sure you check him out as well. You're listening to Matt Lowe's Cameras. Number seven, look at the potential to sell your images through a stock agency. So while you've got all this time at home, while you're sorting through your Lightroom catalog, have a look at which images that you potentially sell for stock online. So I sell a lot of my digital images online. I sell through Shutterstock and Adobe and iStock. I've only got about a couple hundred images in each library. So really, it's it's really just pocket money. I mean, to make money these days in stock photography, you probably need to have tens of thousands of images online. It's no longer the gold mine it once was, as the cost of this content has gone right down. So that's, that's another thing. You, you've got to be content with getting 25 cents a photo. Um, and if you're not, stock photography is not for you. But it can be a way to build up a little bit of income here and there, to pay for film or to pay for stuff through eBay or whatever. Now, although all of the photos that I sell are actually digital ones, there are agencies that will take film scans and scans of instant images for that really cool kind of, uh, you know, film aesthetic. So one of them is Stocksy. So Stocksy will take film scans and Polaroid scans and mobile images. Uh, so check out Stocksy. Uh, I don't actually sell through them at the moment, um, but I believe that I've had heard good things about them. So I'm actually going to look into um, creating an account with them myself and just putting a few images on there and see what happens. Project number eight, work on your digital photography. I know, shock, horror, film photography podcast, and I'm talking about digital so much. But you know, if you can't get to the shop to get film, or you can't send your film out to a lab to get processed, you know, what can you do? You know, can you get your digital camera out and practice some of the skills around the house? Whether it's, you know, long exposures, whether it's lighting, whether it's metering, whether it's macro work, you know, a lot of those skills will transfer into the film photography world. So get that digital camera out and keep taking photos. Idea number nine, start a blog or a podcast. If you've got all this time on your hands and if you've ever thought about starting a blog or podcast, now is the time. There are so many really good free tools out there where you can do all of this for free. So check out the free versions of WordPress, check out Anchor, it's free, and you can blog or podcast to your heart's content. You could start with a really simple idea, you could start with blogging or podcasting about an image, talking about the image, why you took it, you could talk about your favorite camera, you could talk about why you love photography. There are so many different ideas, so many different niches in photography. So have a think about starting your own blog or podcast. 
Now, if that's a little bit daunting, here's idea number 10. Write for people who've already got websites. So, for example, 35MMC, Emulsive, Cosmophoto, they all have guest spots on their website, which I'm sure you already know about, where people can share their knowledge about a camera or a film or a process. So that's a really good way to get into start writing content. If you don't want all the hassle of doing your own blog or podcasts, write for other people and share your knowledge that way. You can also all do other things, like you can do audio snippets for shows like Negative Positives. Mike is always looking for calling camera reviews. Uh, In fact, I think I owe him one from about six or eight months ago, so I better do that one day. Idea number 11, catalog your film and your cameras. So I recently did this. I recently got all of my cameras and all of my film out of the fridge, out of boxes, down off shelves, under cupboards, got it all on the floor. I fired up a spreadsheet And line by line, I listed everything I had. So with the cameras, I did one row for each camera. I listed what the camera was, what kind of film it took, if there was any issues with its mechanical or cosmetic appearance. I also marked up whether I wanted to sell the camera or keep it, or whether it needed testing. So I did that for my 100-odd cameras, and I had a really good idea then of what I had. I found cameras I forgot that I had. I found cameras that I realized I really wanted to shoot with, and I also had a good idea of stuff that I really need to sell. With the film, I did a brand new spreadsheet for that, and I had different tabs. So I had 35mm film on one tab, I had 120 on another, 127, 126 on another tab, And then I had expired film all on its own sort of little tab or the spreadsheet as well. And again, every time I I went to sort of go buy film, I had a look at the spreadsheet and thought to myself, hmm, I've actually got a lot of film I don't need anymore. So that's another good reason why this exercise is really useful. Now, an added bonus of doing all this is I actually found a box of Viewmaster Reels amongst all my photography stuff. I bought this like last December and I kind of forgot about them, but they're these beautiful Viewmaster reels in packets of different places like Australia and America and Europe. And, uh, you know, these beautiful little reels that you put in the Viewmasters and you hold them up to the light and you, you press the clicker and it, it goes through this beautiful stereo images of, of these countries from the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Uh, just some amazing, beautiful images in there. I really love these Viewmasters. I've also got got a few sort of cartoony ones. Um, Wow, I love these. I'm going to get into Viewmasters a lot more. Um, So if you like Viewmasters, let me know because I think they're just uh, amazing and they're they're kind of photography related as well. Um, But yeah, that's that's a hobby I definitely want to get into as well. Check out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on Instagram, come say hi at Matt Loves Cameras. Or if you fancy getting in touch, drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com. Number 12, research a photographer that you don't know much about. So there have been so many people who have had an influence on photography over the last 150 years. So many names that you might know of, but you don't really know that much about their life or their work. Pick one and find out more about them. So here are three names that I'm going to find out more about over the next month or so. So the first one is Julia Margaret Cameron. 
She was a pioneer of photography in the Victorian times, the 1860s and 1870s. She did some really powerful work with portraits of people. Some people were very famous people and other people were just people that lived nearby and she did some beautiful sort of soft portraits in particular of women. So check her out, uh, look her up on Google, Julia Margaret Cameron, a photographic pioneer. The next name is Eugene Ache. He was, I guess you could call him a flaneur. He used to walk around the streets of old Paris before they were destroyed, before these massive, huge boulevards were created in the center of Paris. He went around all the old neighborhoods and took photos of Paris as it was. He used to sell these to artists. And this is one of the fascinating things about Ache. I'm not sure he even considered his photos works of art themselves. He was just doing them as a reference point so artists could paint a picture from these about these old neighborhoods you know so that's quite fascinating and another one I've heard about but don't know very much about is Fan Ho he was a Chinese photographer and uh, he only passed away in the last few years but some of the photos from Fan Ho were just incredible amazing use of shadow and lights so I'm going to find out a lot more about him as well Number 13, research a process you've never done before. So it could be tintypes, could be cyanotypes, could be cross-processing, could be Polaroid emulsion transfers. There are so many different methods and ways of making images. Find out about one you've never done before. That's a really good research project. Number 14, spring clean your social media. So it's coming up to spring in the Northern Hemisphere. It's coming up to autumn down here in Australia, but it's a really good time if you're at home to go through all your social media accounts. You know, update your profile, make sure the, the photo's up to date, make sure your website's on there. Look at the photos that you've been posting. You know, do you want to hide any photos because they, they don't quite fit in with your photography style or brand? Look at all the photos that you hopefully have exported from your Lightroom catalogs. Work out which order to post them in. Look at the hashtags that other people use when they post photos on there. Would any of these be worthwhile to you? Of course, you can also follow hashtags in your Instagram feed as well as people. So for example, if you're interested in buying a new camera, like I don't know, Pentax 645, you can actually follow that hashtag and see inspiring photos taken by that camera in your Instagram feed, as well as following people and organizations and companies. And of course, don't forget to be social on social media. Make sure you go to someone's account who maybe you haven't visited for a while and like their photos and let them know that you really like that last photo they posted. It's also good if you've got some friends on Instagram or other social media accounts, you know, to direct message them and ask them how they're getting through these, these tricky times. Number 15, my last little project is support film people. So if you can buy a zine, buy a zine. If you can buy rolls of film off a local retailer or of other companies, do so. Of course, if you, only if you have the financial means to do so, but it's good during these times to sort of support each other and, you know, maybe be meaning to order something and you never got around to it. Now's the time to, to show your love for the film community. That wraps up my 15 photography projects you can do at home. I hope you guys have found some of those projects useful. So just before I wrap this episode up, I'll give you a couple of little updates. So the first one is about the Matt Loves Panos Plastic Panorama Focus-Free Camera Challenge, which we started at the start of this month, March. 
2020. So had quite a bit of interest for this. I've been contacted by quite a few people through Instagram, by email, uh, about the whole competition. So I've had people like Harry in the East End of London. I've had people like Adrian Doyle in North Carolina post photos. I've had Dominic in New York post photos. I had Michael in Florida send me some photos. Uh, who else have I had interested? Uh, Matt Evans in New Zealand. Uh, I've had Tommy here in Southeast Queensland. Uh, who else have I had? Paul Wheeler in Sydney. I think I'm missing some people out here. Oh, I had uh, JM Golding. She emailed me to say she'd be taking part. And she'd also let a friend of hers know about the challenge as well. So I've had quite a little bit of interest. Now, some of those people have emailed me their entries already. And if you go to the website, mattlovescameras.com, I've got a few entries up there on one of the pages already. Uh, other people have signaled their interest by letting me know they'll be joining. And some people have posted those photos on Instagram under the hashtag mattlovespanos. Uh, so yeah, it's rolling on. It's, it's probably the worst time to organize a camera challenge during a pandemic. So uh, we are continuing with it. The only thing that's going to change is the end date. At the moment, the end date, well, it was supposed to be the 30th of April. That was before we had this worldwide pandemic. So at the moment, look, it's going to be an open-ended challenge at the moment. So please, uh, please stay safe. But if you're able to get out there and take photos, great. If you're not, just wait until this whole thing hopefully blows over and then you can get out there and take part. But yeah, I'm going to remove that 30th of April uh, deadline. I'll update the website to reflect that. But please, when you are able to, when it's safe to do so, get out there with your plastic camera and take those panoramas and send them into mattlovescameras at gmail.com. And I've been really impressed by some of the ones that I've seen on Instagram and through my email so far. I actually took a roll with my one of my other plastic cameras. So I've got two Vivitar panorama cameras. Um, the second roll that I took, so I took a black and white roll early this year, which isn't eligible for the challenge. But I took one through my Vivitar PN2011 plastic camera. I put a roll of Portra 400 through it, which seemed really wrong, putting Portra 400 through the camera. You know, when, when, the, when your roll of film is worth more than the camera, you know there's something wrong, right? Some of the images turned out okay. Some of them turned out a bit crap. Um, so I think I'll be, I'll be shooting some more um, panoramas before I put my submissions in for this contest. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to shooting some more panoramas though. I also got back some other photos I took. Um, I took some half frame photos with my Olympus Pen F, which turned out nice. I also got those photos back that I took in Newcastle. I think I took, told you guys that I went through the CT scanner and that they turned out okay. Um, I don't think there's any damage to the film as far as I can see. So uh, yeah, I think I was worrying there about nothing. So um, some of the photos I took on the rolls aren't amazing, uh, but that's more the user error rather than film damage. Uh, but still, it's always good to get photos back and uh, have a look and have a sort out of those. Now, I'm only three days away from the end of March as I record this. Uh, so there's not much time to finish off the goals that I set for myself in January. But I am, I'm not going to go through them all now. I'll go through them after the three months elapses. I'm pretty confident of getting a seven or eight out of 10 off my goals, which isn't too bad. I'm not going to do them all. I know that, but hopefully I'll, I'll get a pass mark for those and I'll fill you all on those soon. Now, one of them, however, I will tell you about, I'm very excited about, 
The first one in my list of goals was publish my first film photography zine. Not only is that at the printer's, it's been dispatched from the printers and it should arrive here tomorrow, Monday. So I am super excited about that. So in the next couple of weeks, there'll probably be a few episodes of Matt Loves Cameras, fingers crossed. Uh, one of them will be a zine launch update or no zine, zine launch podcast. What am I talking about? So yeah, look out for that. Really, really looking forward to that. The name of my zine is Every Summer. It's going to be full color, uh, printed on beautiful uncoated paper. And I'm just hoping that it looks good when I when I get it in my hands. So yeah, I'm very, very excited. I think that's all for this episode of Matt Loves Cameras. Please take care of yourselves. Please stay safe. Look after each other, your family members and your friends. Stay connected with other people in the film photography community and try and find a project or two to get stuck into to keep yourselves busy and keep your mind off other things. That's it for this time. I'll see you very soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Check the show notes for the link.